this stream Detroit with the inaugural uh, episode of the big digital thinker series I'm uh, Mike McClintock with uh, Jeff Wagner and Sean Yelda and today our special production assistant uh, Brendan Tilds uh, with us today on the podcast is uh, Carrie Tilds the chief innovation officer at group M as well as Brad Fox who's the principal of accelerator media welcome thank you thanks so much for coming on um, you know we're down here at Grand Circus. You can probably hear the uh, M1 rails still. Every time we do a podcast, there's always got to be jackhammers, <laughs> something going on outside. Um, and we're down here, you know, in the heart of the the startups down here. So we thought we'd like to talk to you know some people like yourself and you, Brad, who who work with a lot of startups, um, but maybe from a different kind of perspective a little bit. Um, whereas we're kind of you know, really scrappy and bootstrapping and trying to pull it together and figure out who we are. But I think you guys, guys kind of work on the other end of the spectrum. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do at Group M? Sure. Yeah. Um, as Chief Innovation Officer, I focus on innovation in two areas. The first area is technology innovation for the internal teams at our agencies um, on, on the technologies that they use every day to service to our clients and what are the new opportunities in, in those technology platforms that help us innovate. Um, so a lot of that is the internal work. The other box that I focus on or the other bucket that I focus on is innovation and technology that helps our brands connect to consumers in more meaningful ways. And so uh, hopefully the mesh of those two focus areas come together when we're trying to leverage our internal technologies and connect the new technologies together in order for us to create that scalable business that we do. Okay. So when you talk about technology platforms, you mean things not necessarily like Facebook as a platform. I do you mean, mean Facebook. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's a is that that's an external platform like Facebook, Twitter. Yes, Facebook is an external platform to consumers. Mm -hmm. It's also an internal platform as well. At when you look at the paid media buying and planning component of their platform, mm -hmm. um, both of those companies have um, internal tools that we use in order to deliver messages to consumers. So that that is you know more of an internal tool mm -hmm. or an enterprise level tool. Tool. We also work with the uh, what they call the PMD ecosystem, which is the preferred marketing developer ecosystem oh, wow. that plug into the APIs for companies like Facebook and Twitter in order to help us uh, manage those those platforms at more at scale. They can develop proprietary technologies on top of the Facebook platform, for example, mm -hmm. that help us get you know better insights, help us understand uh, creative optimization uh, in a more robust way. Um, help us bring in other data points, et cetera. So, so we do view uh, things like Twitter and Facebook as, as both an, uh, a B2C and a B2B uh, platform. Okay. So then... So other, other technology platforms, to, to answer your question, are things like ad servers. Okay. Um, whether that be a double click or a seismic or an atlas that was relaunched by Facebook, we work with those. Um, we also work programmatically mm -hmm. with our um, Zaxxis unit through exchanges um, um, to try to automate uh, some of the business to make it more efficient for our clients okay. and more effective for our clients. So that sounds like stuff, you know, 
when you're talking about trading platforms that 18 months ago, a couple of years ago, that was really new. Yes, I mean, this yes. is changing really fast. Yes, and, how, and, and, and um, how, how do we get ahead of it? Um, our company actually developed um, a lot of the technology that was first on the marketplace to address those that that uh, ecosystem at the time. Okay. Um, if you go back to look at um, Group M's history with Zaxxis, it was created by um, acquisitions of companies like 24/7 that had some proprietary technology that knew how to do those kinds of things. And so there's experts in our company that that have um, you know built and developed the ecosystem, and then we rely on our deep partnerships that we have in those areas to either co-develop or you know just develop uh, their roadmaps according to our business needs and we've been we've been doing that for quite some time um, at group M so we've we've created the marketplace in some ways um, so because incubating. Of that. Incubating, accelerating, is that enough? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. We we are we are doing that because especially in that area there's 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 still some rules to be written, especially in the mobile marketplace when it when it comes mm -hmm. to programmatic. Um, oh, or, really or out of or out of home, um, out of home, you you can um, digitize that as well in a in a more efficient or effective way. So we're definitely working in all of those areas um, in that realm, for example. So ad serving, programmatic, the social sphere. We're one of the leaders in search. So search technologies um, and uh, data and analytics as well. So lots lots of lots of platforms. <laughs> so. Would you consider a startup, you know, two guys in a garage or is it a little bit bigger or all of the above? Is it, you know, 50 people that are funded already? Um, if somebody came to you and it was, you know, three guys with a with a, a really rough prototype, mm -hmm. would they get laughed out of the building or? No, no, we work. We work with we work with the entire spectrum of okay. companies. Um, the the terms I like to use is scale and scrappy. Mm. Um, and scale and scrappy doesn't necessarily denote the size of the company. It it denotes the philosophy or the approach they're taking. For example, mm -hmm. it can also denote the size of the company. Um, we've had um, we've had scrappy companies come to us, you know, with with two guys in a garage, um, and a lot of times those concepts, um, you know, they we do have dialogue with them. We do talk to them about what they need. Um, and there's a lot of questions we ask them, but um, but a lot of times they're not they're actually not ready for our scale right. in a way. But there are opportunities though if we know a client is working on a particular problem they're trying to solve and we we perhaps are running a focused accelerator which we do mm -hmm. to solve against a specific brief um, then we actually welcome those kinds of companies okay. because in, in in that regard um, I have one accelerator um, that's going on right now where the the, um, the client is looking for those kinds of companies so that they can actually develop together okay. a product they want to be first to market they want to be bespoke um, so you have, so you have a brand, yes, and they're willing to partner with a, a scrappy, yes, smaller yes. startup yes. to co-build something. Yeah, they are. If if it provides a break, again, advertising is mm -hmm. about breakthrough, mm -hmm. um, and you know, and getting your message across. Uh, in a lot of times, a cluttered world, more and more cluttered with the with the uh, uh, crazy digital environment we have. And so, if they can be first to market, and they can develop something that's really meaningful for a consumer. That 
the consumer goes, wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And that reflects on the brand. Absolutely. They're in. And so we have, we have very innovative brands that want to lean in like that. Now on the other side, um, we have some brands that are very innovative and they, and they want to develop, uh, things, things that are breakthrough, but maybe they're a little more risk averse Okay. and they, and they need a little bit of a more robust, uh, robust company behind, um, behind the idea, or they need a built-in audience. Maybe they don't bring a built-in audience. And so they need both a scrappy type of idea, but they also need a scaled audience that might be there. Okay. It really depends on what the brief is and what the need is. So what, what is one of the, what does the, a company look like that's, a, that's still kind of startup-y? but has a skit, has an audience already. Is that like, you know, somebody comes along and I would say Pinterest is still a startup. Okay. Yeah, for sure. The Pinterest is a great, great example of a startup, um, that is just dipping their toes into advertising. They're, they're being very, you know, specific and purposeful about how they're doing that. They want to make sure that they, um, treat their audiences with, with great respect because they're there, you know, to, to, um, share ideas, um, through, through pinning and they just, you know, they, their audience is the most important thing they have. So, um, so they have, they, they have that kind of startup mentality where they're still very focused on their core. They're not too distracted yet mm-hmm. by, um, you know, needing to just turn, um, turn dollars to turn dollars, so to speak. Right. Um, so that's a great, great example. And they bring that audience, obviously. Yeah. They have a really, a really big audience. I mean, Snapchat's another one that has been okay. written, written about WeChat. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of technologies in the marketplace that are pretty scaled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but they're still startups in a way. I actually, before, right before the Twitter IPO, I still uh-huh. felt they were a startup right. and lots, and right. they still are. I still actually. think of them as a startup. They are, um, because they're still developing their, their, um, their S commerce plans mm-hmm. and they're still rolling those out. Right. Um, so there's, there's still a lot of development going on, for example, there. I, th- I, th- I think the number one thing, first of all, um, that, I, that I notice about um, a startup is, is really, um, and, and it's, it, you, you actually need this skill when you're building a startup, but when you're having a conversation with somebody about your business, you need to suppress the skill. And that skill is absolute passion for what you're doing, mm-hmm. almost passion to a fault. Okay. Um, and so when you're building a startup, you need to have that passion in order to keep going under all of this duress and uh, under all of these circumstances, right. but it's that same almost passion to a fault um, that gets in the way of the conversation when the startup comes to have right. a conversation with somebody, you know, like me or somebody else at our company, because because it's really hard to get through that pride and mm-hmm. and dial that part back and 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 be more about the customer than about me, because a startup is all about me, 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 because I'm developing this thing, I'm on the line, I'm doing this and that's what should happen Mm -hmm. um but when you have a business conversation you you have to change that to be about you the customer and that's actually the first shift that needs to happen is some some humility some some humble pie some ability to have 
questioning, um, to pull out the business needs of the person you're talking to, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's just number one, the, the number one thing. And I find that the startups that are, that are, that are good, um, at having conversations and have some context to mm-hmm. the business challenges at hand. And what I don't mean is I read your LinkedIn profile and I'm going to tell you your whole life story. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm actually talking about saying, I understand Group M represents um, automotive vertical, travel vertical, theatrical vertical. I've done a little research on the company. Um, are these still some of your top clients? Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell me a bit about what challenge, what the biggest challenges they're trying to solve in dot, 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 the space I'm representing. Okay. So that you immediately build a context to, I get who you are as, as a company group. M. I get what you're representing. I get, you're trying to solve these problems and here's the vertical I'm working in. Mm-hmm. Let's have this dialogue about, you know, what's going on there. Um, so that then you don't come and say, Hey, want to buy a watch? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, let me show you about my company. You want to buy a watch? Maybe that's um, why you have your coat on today. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. Do you want to buy a watch? I've got, I've got so Amway. Fresh out of crack. Yeah, some Amway. You don't, you don't do that. Right, exactly. So you show up and you, 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 and then you're pretty clear about what your beachhead moment is. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I mean by that is, you know, where you're going to storm the beach and where you think that you can win the most. Because mm-hmm. I ask startups this question all the time. If you've if you've done your research and you understand that we represent all of these verticals, do you think your business is going to win most when people are buying movie tickets, when people are buying a car, when people are um, going to Subway to get a sandwich? Where do you think your your um, solution uniquely solves? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the that's that point. And then finally, I think the, the biggest point is um, don't ever say you're 100 percent unique and there's no one else like you. OK, um, that's because that's in fact, never true right. ever. I can always Except tell somebody case. maybe. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's <laughs> no, it's Bloomberg, CNN <laughs> and name a million. Um, don't actually say that you're unique. Say you're like this. And here's the difference. Okay. Actually, it's better if you say the closest thing you're similar to and then show the difference. Okay. Um, and that, in fact, helps a conversation greatly because it grounds the per- person to say, now I get the innovation. I immediately get the innovation. I okay. see why you're different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you need to prove it with data. I say, show the math. Show the math why you're different. Show what they do. Show the math why you're different. Do the math. I you didn't know. know there would be math on the test. There's always math on the test. Always. We're, we're in numbers. It's about mm-hmm. money. <laughs> right. Well, that part of math, I can understand. Exactly. Okay. So I think those are kind of the biggest things that, you know, when you go in to have a conversation are really important. Um, and you can do a little bit of that in a short, short, um, you know, email um, or just in an introduction. Be mm-hmm. ready to have those short little things when we say, you know, what do you do? How are you different? Et cetera. Yeah, to that extent, I mean, so let's assume, you know, obviously I know Carrie and I have known each other for several years, but there's probably a lot of startups out there who don't have contacts, right? And I've been in kind of the startup space from a sales perspective, and and I've worked for a couple of younger companies. I guess you could call them startups. 
So even at an entry level, how does that bubble up? I mean, does, does Group M have a process of, you know, let's say I have a, a young seller or a young company has, you know, somebody kind of entry level. Do you guys have a process to help bubble that up so that when it lands on your desk, okay, this is something that we want to pursue because it can be very, very frustrating. And I can't even imagine like how many emails you get every single day about check out my widget. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's, it's never frustrating to, to see a new company's idea. That's the excitement of, of actually having this position and being in this business is getting those opportunities to see those new ideas. So that that is absolutely not a frustration. Um, and if anybody ever complains about email, um, when they're in advertising, they're in the wrong business altogether. <laughs> um, so, so, so that's not a worry either. I think to answer your question, though, um, say, for example, you live in Atlanta and you work in Atlanta. And um, and you think you you know have a really good idea? I would I would recommend reaching out at least for our company. We have offices all over the world. We are you know we're one third of the world. So in terms of media coverage exposure, etc. And so I would reach out to the local office and make a meaningful relationship with the, with the person in that local office. We're we're in Detroit. Team Detroit is a fantastic organization. Um, and, and there's a lot of amazing people there that can have wonderful conversations, um, especially for that client. So know which agencies, by just doing research, it's all online, are, are assigned to which local offices. I think, you know, I think a handshake in a, in a, you know, personable relationship is, goes way further than anything, um, for sure. And then if there's, if there's really, um, if there's really interest to say, Hey, listen, I'm a startup. We do this unique thing, et cetera. You know, you can find us online. You can find me online. You can find any of my coworkers who are very, very public. We are a public company, um, with the use of LinkedIn. That's a pretty effective, marketing tool um, but it's it's we're we're all pretty out there and then yeah just make sure the first exposure that you give answers the things that I talked about which is I'm ready as a business person startup to have a conversation I have my ducks in a row I'm gonna be um, even though I'm really passionate about what I do I'm gonna want be ready to ask questions I'm not gonna take 30 minutes of your time to do a survey about your business I'm gonna be prepared when I walk in I already know those things um, and I'm gonna be ready to tell you here's why my business is different than those those you may see as competitors in the marketplace um, and then those conversations are very welcomed all, all the time they're welcome um, and then the other thing is if you if you're beyond bootstrapped if you're angel or maybe you took a an a round or wherever you are in your funding scenario um, we get we have relationships with a lot of venture capital companies as well as well as you know uh, uh, groups like Techstars etc leverage those networks if you don't know the right person to, to contact because it's re, it's really those networks that give us a lot of um, a lot of introductions as well um, so leverage your your investment networks um, because they're really usually quite connected so along those lines with startups and we talked earlier about some of the bigger platforms that group M obviously works with like Facebook or Google or Twitter for that matter mm-hmm. so in the startup space it's got to be really challenging because on one hand a big holding company like Group M or any other ad agency or marketer, you know, they want to work with some of these companies that already have scale. 
So that's working against startups, right? So assuming all these startups have their ducks in a row, they've got their value prop that's very differentiated, that's unique and differentiated. Do you as do I'm it probably varies by client, but do you have budgets that you allocate for testing scenarios for young companies, startup companies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the budgets do vary by client, and they're they're absolutely the client's budgets. Um, and so the the answer is the majority of our clients, um, I would say, um, don't have budgets necessarily set aside, but they're absolutely always looking for new opportunities to test. So, um, and they they are willing to be flexible with some of their dollars in order to test those new things. There are absolutely um, a handful of clients that have specifically set aside budgets for for innovation testing. Um, and we, we hope there's more of those as, as you know, the, the, the data and technology world is obviously continuing to explode. Um, the, the, there's a couple of things that we do know about budgets and planning. November and December are really good times of the year for a startup to just do relationship building and not push so hard necessarily to want to get that deal done. Um, and the reason for that is this is the time of year where a lot of clients are, uh, their, their dollars are pretty much allocated for the rest of the year and we're already into 2015 or the next year planning. They're trying to plan for the following year and how I just want a relationship build. I want, I want to understand what you have going on for next year how can I get in the mix if you have any um, incremental funds that you haven't spent for this year I'm willing to be extra flexible with timing um, with creative resources etc to help you out to to get to that home stretch Mm -hmm. and then throughout the rest of the year I would definitely say that first I don't know, six months is is a really great time to just you know hit that hard, try to get try to get uh, you know those deals done um, because once summer starts, uh, we tend to lose you know people because they go on vacation and this and that, um, and that's another good time to again just work on re- the relationship building etc. until you round to that first part of fall where you're booking that fall. So that's kind of how the year works for us, at least in the media media side. Um, and uh, the the full circle to answer your question, for the most part, our clients are always willing to flex with their dollars if they see an amazing idea. Um, but the planning cycle does rule in a way. Mm-hmm. Now we have clients, um, I think that I mentioned before, that run specific focused accelerators, um, and they do that specifically for innovation, and they typically do have dollars allocated for that yeah. yeah so does that is that um when, when you say a great idea does that wind up being something that could be part of the advertising technology stack or something like hey look i got the next pinterest yeah you know i see how this applies to your brand yeah are those two different paths i would say if you're working on developing for the advertising technology stack it's going to be very it's going to be a very difficult road to go client direct Mm -hmm. um, because it's really the agencies that are managing those technologies and so the day-to-day use use cases the deep knowledge and understanding of how those technologies work um, comes from the agencies Mm -hmm. so if you're if you're if you're doing something from a creative perspective that's evolving the creative technology stack Mm -hmm. um, you'll want to make sure you're going to an agency that does that kind of work. If you're doing media technology, data tech, ad tech, data tech, um, um, any of those things, um, programmatic technology, you'll want to work with, with you know, the agencies that specialize in that. So it's, it's really important where you start out with those conversations. And, and actually, the, the, the smartest clients we have mm-hmm. do understand very much. 
Um, so, so I want to make sure that I make okay. that point clear. The brand, the brands, they they all care because they pay for it. Right. Um, it's 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 just in varying degrees on how much how knowledgeable you know they are about the actual inner workings of those technologies. Like how you know how does search technology really work, or you know, or you know, do I just see the reports kind of a thing? And so the better clients we have are the ones that you know ask the questions and are incredibly knowledgeable. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and in terms of any other technologies, um, it, again, there's 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 a bit of a debate in our world of you know, do you go direct to client or do you go to the agency if it's a B two C type technology. Um, if you go direct to the client, you may not end up with, um, as a client, you may not end up with the best deal. We've mm -hmm. had we've had some of those experiences in the past where a client negotiates kind of their own deal, um, and and you know once in a while those work okay, but in the end it's better to go through the agency because we're the ones that are used to dealing with the legal, mm -hmm. um, with the confidential, um, with the technical uh, terms to get the deal done faster and. And in the end, more advantageous for everybody, meaning more advantageous for the client and pricing and more advantageous for the for the technology or the startup that's coming to us because um, we can scale it to other partners once right, that first look happens. Right, right. And so that's a really important point um, to, to know when you know where you're going, what's your first you know road in. Group M is comprised of Mindshare, MEC, Mediacom, Maxis, mm -hmm. and and um, MetaVision as our core M's, and then we have we have several other agencies like Zaxis and Catalyst, etc. Um, and so so we have trials. We call it test, learn, and scale. Yep. We we have that going on in every single one of those agencies mm -hmm. as we speak. Um, so so how much of their day to day is experimental? You know we we manage a significant amount of scale so i would say in proportion it's not 50 50 because we're still doing you know we're still it's not mm -hmm. that um you know we're still doing um you know display at scale we're still doing um we're still doing search at scale mm -hmm. you know we're still doing gaming we're doing video at scale um uh text native you know all of that is and that's just in the digital realm tv radio right. brand out of them um so in terms of the the you know the balance of that versus you know test and learn um it's you know it's that's it's, big that's a lot though yeah but it's uh, it allows you to really understand what's different. Okay. That's the good part. Yeah. It's because you do so much volume, you can actually understand what is unique and mm -hmm. what is different and where can I test? Where can I jump in? It's kind of like jumping rope and figuring out when you're going to jump in. And so we have a lot of those going on. It seems like it would be just, you know, it's 2014 now. It seems like even from 2012, yeah. where it was, it seems like it was like, oh, it's all just mobile, mobile first. And yeah. everybody was saying mobile, mobile, mobile. Mm -hmm. Now it's like just a mere couple of years later, and there's just an explosion yes. of, of yes. these platforms. How do you even keep up with that? Because yeah. even being in that world, yeah. and, you know, knee deep in the weeds, it's hard for me to even keep up with that. And you're looking at thousands of ideas yep. things. Group M has a person like me uh -huh. and that's my only job um, is to is to look at new opportunities and figure out where we can test, learn, and then scale. And then we also at each of our M's have leaders that do that as well. And so whether they're a discipline expert in mobile mm -hmm. or they're a discipline expert in social or search or gaming, 
um, or advanced television. We have those kinds of experts and leaders and we kind of work in a matrix type way mm -hmm. in order to find those opportunities that, that help us innovate. And so you have to understand um, a couple of things. You'll never know everything that's going on ever. Your value is as only good as the network you keep. Mm -hmm. um, you rely on your partners greatly, um, and you try to be as um, as respectful and um, purposeful with their time as they are with yours. Um, so whether that's a venture capital mm -hmm. uh, uh, portfolio relationship, whether that's an accelerator, like I said, Techstars or something else, whether mm -hmm. that be something like a DMR index, which has an index of companies um, that they go through a list of curating companies or our own proprietary internal technology that we use to sort and filter that and rate and review those types of things. Um, you need to you need to have all of that in a very structured um, and, and purposeful uh, rigor in order to keep up with it. Um, because if you don't, it, it will just It'll just keep coming, mm -hmm. um, and you won't be able to mark mark the moment and allocate where it should go. How many categories are there? Oh gosh, I don't I don't know how many categories there are. Um, whether you're talking about let's see, mobile, data, gaming, social, search, um, programmatic, um, advanced television, um, content, uh -huh. um, creation, native. Um, those are kind of different the kinds ones. of content. Play. Yeah, different kinds of content might be a secondary hierarchy and a categorization model if you want to go crazy okay. about categorization. Mm -hmm. um, we hired a, a master's of library sciences who, Aha, who helps yes. us do that. Okay, <laughs> that now that all makes sense. <laughs> Somebody's a way So the startup doesn't that. really have to know. No, you can help, help them understand. Help startups I think understand that's part how of they fit in our world. That's right. our job. I think that's yeah, part of the problem. It's a bit like air traffic startups. control. Yeah. We yeah. don't know. And right. we think we have to come in and we think we have to just lay it all out and we yeah, think we have to yeah, nail it. Yeah. We, don't. We got one know, shot. Don't spill your candy in the lobby, so to speak. That's, okay. That's probably not what you want to do. But you do, if you think you have one shot and you feel that way, that, that you're already going to fail. First of all, go get sales training from something like mm -hmm. Sandler's Sales Skills or something right. that helps you understand how to have a conversation and effective questioning. Um, but second, um, don't, don't start with like the top meeting you're ever going to have, you know, have smaller meetings first mm -hmm. with, like I said, with your local, you know, with your local market that, that, you know, helps you have an understanding about the company, et cetera. Try to get a test with the local market. It's better to do a test for free with right. a really small piece of business just to get a case study and then build on that than it is to try to just go for the gusto, you know, for the first meeting, but walk in prepared, mm -hmm. understand what you're trying to achieve out of the meeting, understand, you know, where you think you're going to win which vertical understand the clients the agencies are representing um, and be flexible if that's not the path that the meeting ends up mm -hmm. taking but have have at least a going in plan on that and i think that'll serve serve you much much more yeah how much of the startups that come in that maybe they have a case study or they've started to go somewhere and said you know we think we're doing x y and z we also think we should do a b and c Maybe we should pivot a little bit. Is that is that a viable strategy to say, this is what we could do so far, this is where we think it's gonna go? Is that a valid pitch or is that? Um, you know, if, if it's a startup that doesn't actually have a product yet, mm -hmm. 
that we really only work with those in the accelerators. Right. Um, I talk to some of them some of the time, but I usually say come back to me when you have a viable product. Um, well, assuming they have an MVP. If they have a viable product and they 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 have a working model and you've you've had some sort of test, um, or you know want to offer a free test, mm -hmm. um, then then that's a better position to be in for sure. Um, but you need to you definitely need to be clear about what you can do. That's a, a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up in, in that question because I have had some startups that have come to me and um, try to represent something they can't do. Now I talk to mm -hmm. technologies all day long right and so I can pretty much tell when um, something is maybe a fib. <laughs> um, and um, if you're called out on that, you're not getting a second meeting right. ever, right? ever, ever, ever. So it's better to just be super ethical and honest about mm -hmm. what you can and cannot do right. than it is to oversell the right. potential. That's it's an incredibly because, you know, people like me, we, we talk technology mm -hmm. all day long. Right. So. <laughs> but it's OK. It's okay to say it's okay that we, we haven't done know. this. We, yes, but it's good to point it out. We mm -hmm. we know we haven't done X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. You know, is there anyone? Here's a here's a question no one asks me, but I offer it up usually anyway. They say, "Is there anyone I should partner with? Mm -hmm. Is there any company? I know I don't do this. What company should I partner with oh, to no, help that's me?" That's just great. And then I'll usually go this company. Here's their email. Mm -hmm. It's three seconds in right. the conversation. Then we move on. Because if I'm already working with a company, right. then, and you come in as, as an incremental value, you win two ways. Mm -hmm. One, now you're in front of our you know, um, business, and two, you have a potential strategic partnership or a potential you know, future owner. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> who wants to buy your technology. Right. So, you know, you said that you, you could come in, you have, you know, this case study, and you said you could get, maybe you want to offer a free test. Mm -hmm. So I would send the case study and say, I want to offer a free test. Mm -hmm. And what does that look I like? I would actually just send that email. Right. And a free test becomes, you know, this is what we've done. This is our case study. Mm -hmm. We'd love to figure out if We'd we could do this. We'd love to run our blank for 30 days. This is what we're hoping to learn. Uh-huh. You know, um, we're looking for clients that either are willing to share publicly the case study. Mm -hmm. Usually that's what a startup will ask for because that's what you need is the exposure. Mm -hmm. Or um, a client typically won't agree to that. So that's the that's the issue there. Um, but a client might agree to be you'd let you use it um, in a blind manner in a sales pitch or something. Okay. And they get the learnings out of it. So there's all sorts of ways you can achieve that. So you but. can further prove your your case mm -hmm. um, yeah and then that, that's a pretty significant investment from the client that's a pretty significant investment from the agency so yeah. you might not be you know yeah. looking to get some cash flow out of yeah. it but that's probably a lot more valuable than any amount of cash that you were going to get yeah. yes it is. so it's like you're a venture catalyst at yeah. that point you're yeah. just driving yeah. these things forward through partnerships yep yep and we do we do pilots and betas all the time yep, people typically know to come in and pitch that a lot of them do. Yeah. Yeah. How do they get coached on that? 
that seems like everybody's out, you know, they want to sell it to you. Hopefully they're a good company or they're listening to this. Right. Maybe right here on this podcast, everybody's redoing everything. I'll scratch that email out. We like free tests. We like free tests? We like free tests. (laughs) What other angles is there uh, that that a startup can come in if they've they've got... uh, you know, at least a, a minimum viable product. You know, definitely if you, if you, um, early, early experience with maybe a smaller business in the similar category, mm-hmm. like something that may be a regional player or even a local player, um, where you've tested something and you've, you can show the data, mm-hmm. which, like I said, show the math. The math is really important. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's got to have scale. It's, it can't be like we tested with 500 people and it works. What scale do you? Gosh, um, that's it's a like, great it's like, question. It's like the word cloud. It's like cloud. <laughs> or, big, or big data. <laughs> or right. big data. It's all got to be big data cloud scale. Um, it really depends on the category. Okay. Um, if you're talking about a technology that might tweak um, the process of another technology, um, it might be 1% or 0.5%. percent mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? In terms of a improvement in whatever. Um, so if it's, if it's talking about improving efficiency, improving a technology and you, or, you know, you can say, Hey, listen, I can, dem- I can demonstrate to you that because this technology, you know, AB control test, all this, um, improved the um, efficiency and effectiveness of the process um, by one persona, then we can have a conversation. But we don't, you know, my clients are are large clients, and so their their scale definitions are usually a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. I would say, I would say if you don't have an audience of five million or more, I'm. I'm not going to talk to you unless you are absolutely a, a unique startup. Mm-hmm. If you're a unique start, startup and you have something that's just game changing, then the scale conversation isn't the conversation because it's usually you haven't even launched advertising yet. Right. And my client, some of my clients maybe want to co-develop with you. Maybe so, that's a way to get scale. Yeah, but exactly. But through your partnerships, it's, who should I partner with? So there's a lot of ways to jump in, mm-hmm. you know, jump in the ring, I guess. Is that kind of how you analyze the, I do, these we do. Things? That's Just exactly saying, part of the conversation is you try to figure out where's the beachhead, who are you going to talk to, what else is in the marketplace, is it truly unique? Um, if it's kind of pseudo-unique, then you get better scale mm-hmm. um, because you're almost adding to what's mm-hmm. already there. Um, um, if it's really unique, you know, is there is there a co- is there an investment opportunity? We have we have mm-hmm. those conversations all the time. WPP invests sometimes in companies. Um, our clients sometimes invest in companies. Ruben doesn't really invest that much in companies, mm. but we you know we talk. They about make it happen. That. Yeah. So on the note of acquisitions, uh, your parent company WPP has a very interesting history of you know investing or in some cases outright acquiring mm-hmm. some very interesting companies who are kind mm-hmm. of in the digital space. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that part of your role kind of is a, is an input, right? So hey, you might you may have done some tests with with startups before. It's yeah. like. I'm not saying you would go to Martin and say, Sir Martin, I think this might be an interesting company for us to invest in, but is part of your role um, to be a, an input into that process because you know you've acquired research companies. Mm-hmm. You've WPP has invested in some really some very interesting companies. Well, first, first, um, Martin is a really 
fantastic person and I've spoken to him many times and if I really felt compelled that that something you know I wanted to tell him something he is he's he's so quick on email um, and he's very open with all of his employees so no anybody would feel comfortable telling him that so um, but I do I do work with the you know we the M&A arm of WPP if they have questions about um, either the marketplace as, as it would be advantageous for Group M and our clients um, and or particular companies if, if what they're thinking about, again, provides um, advantage you know, to, to our world. Um, we certainly will have conversations with them just to give them understanding of you know, our business needs um, and, and you know, what we think are the gaps. Um, and that that does help them, right? We do have an advantage because we're do, we're doing these things every single day, and because I specifically focus on technology, you know, obviously there is some advantage to having those conversations as well. But let me tell you, we have an incredibly smart group um, at, at WPP that does that, um, and uh, and and they know what they're doing. Um, they have they have more conversations with startups than I do, um, because it's their job to go out in the marketplace and and see what's going on and understand what's going on to make sure that WPP has as solid of a portfolio as we can humanly possibly have. Um, in order to provide the holistic services that we tell our clients we provide. Um, so that's why you see a lot of those acquisitions, especially, I don't know, like you mentioned in Kantar, et cetera, um, because data has been such a front runner in the conversation and the need um, for our clients and making sure that we have the right portfolio of technologies and services to answer the needs of our clients is especially in, you know, that area is, is, is shown by our acquisition strategy there, but they can speak to it. And I think they have probably a lot in the marketplace, much better than I can. Um, and, and it's a privilege to serve, you know, in support of whatever their efforts are at any given time. So for sure. Yeah. And, and somewhat related to, to the data, data question. And there seems to be, and I don't think we'll resolve this, this issue right here now today, but it would be interesting to kind of hear your thoughts or how you think about that notion of who owns the data, right? Because it's such a, it's a, consumers, it's a hot, it's consumers a, own the data. <laughs> consumers own the data. Um, in privacy, we take very, very seriously. And we've written about this very publicly. Um, my boss, John Montgomery, uh, testifies in Brussels and in Washington on the topic of privacy. Um, we, are, we are for self-regulation. Notice and choice is incredibly important to our business. We, it, we need it to be important to our business. We need consumers to be protected. Um, they need to have proper notice and proper choice capabilities. And we, we certainly advocate for those things um, uh, with John as our lead, John Montgomery, uh, in, those, in those two very public places um, through his work. And so um, that's actually why when we go to, I think I was mentioning before, when we go to, to do deals, you know, with startups in particular and having sometimes those deals go direct maybe to a specific client, et cetera, more and more it becomes risky to do that versus coming through an organization like ours that is so fiercely protective of that data and making sure that all the proper things are thought of. That's what we do every day um, to, to protect not only the consumer, but our business and our client's business. So um, yeah, the client owns their data. They own the right to say, you know, I want 
I have I have the choice to do what I want to do with that. Um, and then, of course, if you follow the proper protocols um, through things like the Ad Choices Program um, and the proper protocols on how you should handle data, then I think everybody wins in the ecosystem because you should get val more valuable messaging coming to you uh, in more meaningful time periods on the right devices for things that you either do already care about or should or will care about in your future. So that's kind of our, you can tell I've probably talked about that before because we're really, we're really purposeful about that conversation a lot every day, <laughs> every day. Well, that's so, an interesting take because some, yeah. you know, sometimes you'll read in the, in the trade press that the agencies own it or the clients own it. And your perspective, I think that's refreshing, right? No, the consumer owns the data. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're, t I, of course, there's arguments about, you know, does when you're talking about ad servers, does the client own the data? Right. Does the agency own the data? And at the end of the day, of course, it's really the consumer that owns the data and their ability to have choice of, you know, what they're opting into for the use cases of that data and making sure that choice is clear and we're that's 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 our stance on that what's the one piece of advice for startup founders in your space that you would you would you would offer well, um, first of all the one piece I could only have one no, um, you can take more if you want. <laughs> the startups that have been successful in my world have been very focused and they have maintained focus um, for longer term benefit in light of a short term gain. Um, and I would say the startups that have been successful have been able to do that. Um, and that's a really hard thing to achieve. Mm -hmm. So if you can maintain your own brand integrity okay. as a startup, mm -hmm. and I mean that specifically, you as a person, usually as a startup, are your brand mm -hmm. and have that focus be there and never... Um, and never changing um, is really important. Now, I want to say this: the point five of that answer is, unless you see um, the writing on the wall, you then you should be able to do a hard pivot, a hard pivot, and refocus. Yeah. How do you know? Yeah. Well, what's yeah. the difference between focus yeah. and pivot, or is it just? When you say focus, well, you mean the people who aren't pivoting all over the place because they're yes, ping pong yes, balls. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you, you know, don't try to serve multiple masters when you're mm -hmm. trying to build a business and be focused about your product at the point where. Is it focused on your vertical? Is it focused on your solution, it, your product, your mm -hmm. brand, your offering? Making sure it's clear, making sure it's solid, making sure it ha it's going it's it's going to be best in class, whatever that is. Are they better off being horizontal solutions or vertical? No, I said I think I said the word beachhead specifically, but because yeah. I, I meant um, try to do something really good uh -huh. first. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um, and then if you decide that you can, you know, you're you want to try to go to another business vertical to solve for that new thing, and you've got a lot of funding and a lot of resources that you can burn through, go for it. Okay. Um, well, that's really you profound. know what I'm saying. <laughs> but if you can, it might not maybe. Seem so, but it is. Well, I mean, I just the startups that I've seen have kind of been able to do one, two, three, or four, or five deals, mm -hmm. um, and be really good at that before they try to 
expand too wide um, because then they get their business practice. There's all that stuff you don't see. Their business practices down, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all the stuff you're in your growing pains, your human re all that stuff. Um, you can focus on building. And if you go too wide, your service and your technology may fail. Um, okay. And so you just you just need to be flawless as long as possible. So that beachhead, that's what you the that's focus what I mean by that, is. What's beachhead? Be something good. Be, be something, something great. Be something out of this world. Yes. Yeah, maybe be later amazing. on you can serve every other industry, but yes. you've got to find the thing yes. right now yes. for yes. basket weaving manufacturers. You've got to, You've just got to crush it with basket weaving. Got to crush it, and but and then if you see somebody that says like, okay, well, you know, I've been doing this basket weaving for five years, and I'm crushing. I think I'm crushing it, but like my market's here, and I'm kind of here, and I'm not. You know, the I I know where the cap is. You know, be brave enough to pivot. Mm-hmm. You know, figure out what that pivot is and pivot. You but know, be good first. Be good first. <laughs> be, but be your brand. Like be your brand. Be good. And before you try to serve too many masters, it's it's that that's the epic failure in my opinion. Awesome. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about today? No, I'm just. Is anybody to be, that anybody I'm, that we should partner with? <laughs> for example. For example, um, I'm thrilled to be here in Detroit. We've seen the people mover go by, you know, mm-hmm. probably ten times. I'm looking at the development of the light rail, rail system right mm-hmm. now. Um, I can't wait to come down and run the turkey trot. I love this city. People don't understand how unbelievably vibrant this downtown is i mean the, the everything is possible here that's right that's what's brilliant about this this city and that's why i'm here uh you know and i'm not filming this in silicon valley or i'm not filming this you know in in other places there's just so much potential um and and that's what i do that's mm-hmm. my passion and and i am unwielding in that um so i'm thankful to be here well we're thankful for you to be here too Thank you so much for coming on the Stream Detroit podcast. Brad Fox, thank you so much to you for the Big Digital Thinker series. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.